Welcome to The Unlistenables, long-form musical analysis from a couple of old, broken-down pieces of meat. I'm Howard Chu, one of your hosts. Shortly, I'll be joined by windmilling Andrew Hollingworth, the dude who insists that his, this album is not autobiographical. This week, we tackle our most uplifting album yet, Cursive's Domestica, a claustrophobic concept album about the tyranny of domestic life told through the competing viewpoints of a couple at war with each other. In the words of one Pitchfork review, if you're happily linked with a member of the opposite sex, stay away from this record. Otherwise, the world needs cursive. That seems like a great place to start. Let's dig in. Domestica December. <laughs> yes, Domestica Domestica December. We did it. We're here. We got it. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The holidays, December, our, our little sleigh bells ringing outside, snowflakes drifting through the air. I think that's a phone crashing through the wall, if I had to guess. So. <laughs> and Domestica absolutely destroying our speakers uh, in, in, in our maybe spirits. the best way possible. And our spirits. Um, today on The Unlistenables, we're going to be talking about Cursive's Domestica uh probably like one of the darkest albums we've talked about uh, on an on an emo podcast uh so that's definitely saying something um but it's not really an album that i had a ton of direct familiarity with um you know i knew a couple of cursive songs i knew a little bit about them i'd certainly like come across some of the songs on this album but certainly never listen to it front to back. Um, so, you know, I know that you have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more context here. So just to kick it off, like, why don't you tell us a little bit about why we're here, a little bit about this album, a little bit about how this all fits in and, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Happy to take it. And what I'll say too is I think this intro will be a little bit different than other ones because unlike episodes about fallout boy or Jimmy Eat world, our expectation, my expectation is very few people know anything about cursive. So this is, <laughs> to use the analogy, we're going back to elementary school for a cursive, right? Like, and, <laughs> uh, I did not write that down. That was that was uh, a complete riff. But so we'll we'll start with like the very basics of like who is cursive as a band, how do they fit in, and then yeah, I, I have some interesting reflections in terms of why why this is like a relevant album for us. So first, cursive is. Like a kind of like a part post-hardcore emo band from Omaha, Nebraska. And they are, I, I started to get to know them because they were part of Saddle Creek Records, which is that's Connor Oberst, that's yeah, Rilo Kylie was on there. Yeah. So like just like this indie imprint in the middle of uh the Midwest. Um, and my impressions of cursive when I started to listen to them, and you know, a lot of what I'm taking is based off of an interview. When I say cursive. Uh, the lead singer, his name is Tim Tasher. So we'll talk a lot about Tim Tasher. And the way that Tim Tasher kind of frames cursive in a very self-aware way was he's saying that like cursive is basically, to use some of our parlance, like they're generally a band that's considered too hard for the soft boys and too soft for the hardcores. It's like 
they would open for a band like Mastodon or any of these like post-hardcore bands, and they'd be worried that people are going to kick the shit out of them, right? So <laughs> um, that that's basically kind of like where they fit into the landscape. This is like such an esoteric and specific album. So it's like, why why did we choose this? First of all, like a, a the meme of Domestic in December was just too juicy to pass up. <laughs> uh, the, the bleakest, saddest, and and, and most horrifying album coinciding with like the you know um splendor of, of christmas is absolutely hilarious to us uh but then too you know it's it's interesting a whole people always ask me like okay like the listeners, why why is this a podcast like, how did you come up with the idea and i i don't even know that i've described this to you but but really it was as simple as like i one day i was taking a nap i woke up and i just had this sudden realization that like i was you know, I'm 37 now, I'm older than basically all of the email musicians and bands from when we were, uh, you know, high school students and when we were growing up. Yeah. And I was like, the question is, well, shit, like how, how does all of the emotions and the stories that they're telling, like, how do these hold up now that I'm like maybe 10 or 15 years older than those people when they were writing them? Does it yeah. sound silly? Does it sound really stupid? The difference in the the, the contrast is like, for Domestica, I see them as being like a generation or like half a generation older than most of those other emo bands. So instead of being worried about like holding hands and like, you know, like a girl not returning your text, like they're really delving into like the middle of life and midlife crises and like, what's it like to go down a path with a partner that feels really incompatible and you feel stuck. So like this horrifying you know domesticated married life that's what they're exploring and that's like to me like a true kind of interesting test of an unlistenable because i feel that i feel and and see them as peers with my age group now so it's like how does this like horrifying like inui album uh kind of match up to my perspectives on relationships um, etc. So I, th I think that that was a big reason why I wanted to interrogate like this album because out of all of them, it felt like it had the highest probability of being like, that's really scary. And I know exactly, and I have been through all of the shit that he's talking about, like he's spot on. So it's it's an interesting opportunity for us to to take a look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, we're obviously going to chew on a little bit more like sort of what the album itself is about. Um, how old was Tim Kasher when he wrote this? So he was born in 74. This album came out in 2000? 2002, maybe. Yeah, so 30. Yeah. Okay, great. Just so, want to, like, because I think that sort of level setting is really interesting, right? Like, we're still a little older than him, but not, you know, not necessarily, like, a phase of life older than him. Um Yeah. The guy's yeah. been through some shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Although uh, this album is not biograph autobiographical. I think I'm sure you read that he says over and over and over. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. Again, we'll we'll talk about that. But one of the other things I wanted to just like talk a little bit about in terms of like sort of the context of the album in the in the broader scope of the scene, because you know you talked about it. Like they're part of Saddle Creek, and. Like, I think we can touch a little bit about what Saddle Creek is. Like, I feel like a lot of people who are listening to this podcast probably have heard of Saddle Creek, probably know some things about Saddle Creek. Obviously, that's Bright Eyes and, like, 
Bright Eyes was very big in the scene at that time. Um, you know, also like maybe a little less known as like Desparcitos, The Faint. Yep. Yep. Um, but those were definitely like bands that were were hitting for me sort of by way of and a little bit of cursive too, but like by all by way of Bright Eyes. Like Bright Eyes was the thing that was in Newberry Comics that I could get. And those other albums were there, but I wasn't like looking for them. Um, but like, you know, as I was sort of like doing a little bit of research about this, like, you know, thinking about that context of um, of Saddle Creek and how it like became this huge center for this very specific offshoot. Like it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a different genre. It's not its own genre, but it is almost a subgenre. Like it is, it is for sure its own dialect of the same language, you know? Um, and I, one of the things that was so crazy to me, go ahead. Would you say like a dialect of emo or just like a dialect of indie music? Uh, probably both. Like, I mean, it was obviously, it was its own indie record label. Mm -hmm. Um, and it grew up in Omaha, basically around like a lot of the bands we've talked about and also like bands that are sort of now semi-defunct but had all of the same members. So the thing that is so crazy is like, as I was like doing research on this and like looking at it, it's like, you look at the lineups of all these different bands and it's like three out of five names are the same. And then the other two names like rotate across three other bands. Mm -hmm. um, so like, you know, uh, so the, the first album that Saddle Creek put out was a Connor Ober solo album when he's like 14 years old or something called water it's like that dude's putting out sads i mean and obviously there's more connor overs to come on this podcast for sure <laughs> but um but uh you know it's in this omaha scene and the way they talk about it is like you know they're all just going to each other's shows they're all really inspired like people are like finishing songs and playing shows and they're like well let's start to put this out and it sort of comes to be that everybody's going to these shows of this band slow down Virginia mm. and slow down Virginia is uh the the of the members <laughs> they are uh, I'll read off three names Tim Casher we know that one Matt uh McGinn and Steve Peterson and all three of those people <laughs> are in cursive. So this is like clearly like a cursive preamble kind of, um, but that's like the preeminent band in the scene in Omaha. And then like all these other bands sort of glom on and then Saddle Creek, like they just decide to, they sign this other band or they set up with this other band, Polecat. I guess Saddle Creek Road is one of these main roads that cuts through Omaha. It's also the name of a polecat song is called Saddle Creek, but like apparently the formulation of it, it sort of evolved. They say it evolved organically, but like the first first record they have of it is a flyer where it says spend an evening with Saddle Creek, which yeah. then went on to be the like name of a documentary they wrote about like the history of it. And then, yeah, it's like crazy. Like Cursive is definitely one of the bigger bands, I think, sort of around and before Bright Eyes really takes off. But like Azure Ray. Bright Eyes, Rilo Kylie, like those are, those are, those are bands that like kind of made it, made it from this, from this indie scene. And so I, one of the things that I liked about this is like this band really typifies that Saddle Creek sound to me. And it's like, even if you don't know Cursive, if you know like Honor Obers at all, like you're hearing echoes of this band, like for sure. Um, so 
I hadn't even really thought about that, but like it's and and I'm curious where you're hearing it. I hear it in like the vocals a lot, like yeah, the strain and and, and like it doesn't always sound good, but it yeah. sounds emotional. Yeah, um, you hear that it's in Tim Kasher, and you hear that with Connor Oberst with some of his. But yeah, yeah, pop off a little bit in terms of what you it doesn't doing. sound beautiful, but or like it isn't like a professionally trained voice, but it's so emotive and so raw that you don't want it to be something different. Yes. Um, the other thing that uh, sticks out to me a lot, and I don't want to dig too much into like sort of specifics, but like, um, is like the the willingness to have like dissonance, like, um very intentional so like uh like you know if you're playing a good like a good melody or like you know you you want your chords to go together they're going to be in the same key and and in this album there are a number of times where they're playing melodies or riffs or chords that are absolutely do not go together and it's very much on purpose and it's very dissonant um but the willingness to do that with vocals and like times where it sort of like will be sharp or flat like Fred Ice does that all and Connor Over says that all the time. It's like Woody's, you know, one of his one of his things. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, I bet there's probably some other instrumentation stuff that people smarter than me would point out as well. Yeah, this I think this is a really good time. Actually, I, I did not do this in my intro for I introduced cursive, but let's talk a little bit about Domestica. What is this album? So yeah. this is a explicitly concept album from Cursive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the idea is it's uh, really taking a microscope to our relationship between a, a man, I believe his name's Sweetie, and then a woman, Pretty Baby. And this is just kind of documenting the de-evolution, decay of their relationship. So every song is relating in some part to their conflict, their back and forths. One of the things that I think is interesting about this album that really you and I have not seen in any of the albums that we've covered in the Unlistenables is Team Casher is very intentional about wanting to tell some of, at least some of the narrative from the viewpoint of a female and like being able to elevate that voice, which like when we talk about the misogyny of emo and, and the way that the power structures have worked, like no one else even thought about that. But I was listening to like an interview of Tim Catron where he's talking about domestic and he's like, no one needs to hear more white guys talking about like their relationship shit. So being able to kind of inhabit that character and have the back and forth between uh, Pretty Baby and Sweetie, like uh, from both perspectives of a relationship is is part of what makes this like more of like a concept album than, than just like something about, um, uh, you know, relationships or, or what have you. So I think that that's interesting. The other part that I'll say just about like, this album in the context is like cursive really likes concept albums because the next album after this is the ugly organ which is also i know a little bit less in terms of like what the main concept is but it's like very theatrical and and and, and kind of meta narrative in a way that um yeah we don't see from like a lot of other emo albums um maybe aside from something like uh black parade or something like that wink wink but <laughs> um yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about like how the experience and the feeling of a concept album hit hit for you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what I liked about it is that uh, sometimes in an emo album you can get a little lost in the sauce of like 
uh, a song could apply to a lot of different things. <laughs> and this feels like it is just drilling down on like something very specific. And so Tim Castro says over and over. He says over and over, it's not autobiographical. It's not autobiographical. They did a 20th anniversary tour a couple of years ago. He said, I've been saying it for 20 years. It's not autobiographical. He says, I found this, uh, I found this great interview that is by this guy, Tim McMahon, and his site is looks like it's a fucking GeoCities site. You've yeah. seen this? Yeah. Like it's like lazy eye or whatever. Yeah. But this 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 interview and this article is from 19 is from like 2000. It's from when the album came out. This dude's still putting out content almost every day. I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy shit. Like on the same site? Is it the same? On the same site. It's exactly the same. He's using the WYSIWYG and shit. (laughs) It's like, it's wild. But, um, but, you know, he, the way he talks about it, and this is, I I like this quote because I, I think it articulates a lot. It says a lot. Uh, This is Tim Kasher. As I wrote the CD, I thought I kept a distance. Yeah, you thought wrong. That's my editorializing. I thought I kept a distance. I knew I was writing about something I went through, but I also knew there were a lot of fictions in it. I didn't want to write a CD that I wouldn't enjoy performing. I really see the two characters in the CD, uh, Sweetie and Pretty Baby, as actors. And so the I think it says a lot, which is one, yeah, right, dude. Like, okay, I I thought I kept a distance. You absolutely did not have any distance from this. Oh, no, you didn't. There's so, like, he's just like, slashing his wrists and pouring blood on the guitar and this these songs are coming out um but but i do think that they're like clearly some of it is fictionalized or at least as far as he's maintained right like specifically there's a a, a number of references to like infidelity he says that was not a factor in his relationship um but like he also is saying uh (laughs) also there's this great quote in it and this is like as the album's coming out like this is clearly like a small press interview um it says caster says he still hasn't shown a copy of the cd to his ex-wife i need to talk to her before she sees the sticker and the sticker talks about the yeah the content from the sticker too it's it's brutal um and (laughs) it's funny that you have that because i listened to the uh, the interview that i was hearing was done this year so it's 20 years after that. He still hasn't shown his ex-wife. She still has not seen the album, does not hurt it. They've never discussed it. It's just something that she's just like, yeah, he, he created an album about a relationship. Maybe it was ours, like, which is fascinating. Um, and I, yeah, I think the really, really funny thing, the analogy that um, I might use here is it's a little bit like, so the reason that part of the reason that he says it's like, oh, it's not autobiographical is because like he ultimately got a divorce and in this relationship they stay together and that's that's the difference it reminds me of uh i don't know if you know that really famous clip of uh vanilla ice when he's talking about the sample of <laughs> it's like no it's it's ding 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 and then the way that we do it's ding 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 ding, ding. <laughs> ding it, it's it's that little thing it's that little difference it's not autobiographical that's the shit that tim catcher is trying to do right now well, and, and also, like, you listen to this album and he's like, and they stay together. You're like, they they shouldn't stay together. <laughs> they shouldn't. That's not good. That's bad. And he's like, like I, I, 
man, when I was trying to like write about this, I, you said you said it were, earlier, and I really think that the best word to describe it, the the I wrote three words when I was like starting my what like to collect my thoughts about takeaways, but I said fucking bleak, man. It's fucking bleak. Like, uh, but like we are plumbing the depths of the worst interpersonal human experience that could be. I, I mean, it's just like there isn't there isn't a shred of optimism in here. No, 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 no. And and, and the thing is, like, in other the, the thing about it being a concept album is they can just find that pocket and sit in that pocket. And the whole point is to sit in that pocket of the dread and the brutalness and the bleakness. Mm -hmm. And there's, you don't have to get out of it because the whole point is to just be in that emotion versus like, I don't know, we've seen some bleak stuff on like Fallout Boy, but then they would go and do dance dance. They would go and do like other stuff. And yeah. it's like, this one's like, no, it's it, like, this is your entire universe. It's, it's just this, uh, just this infinite blackness that like you can't get out of. Yeah. Um, and and the the literature and writing about this album is so funny and so terrifying. Uh, yeah. So I, I pulled out a few lines. This one says, on the CD, the explosion isn't a breakup. It's an acceptance that this is what domestic life is. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's I, 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 I say it, it's, it's not like, this is not a divorce album it's, it's a horror film it's a fucking domestic mm. like it's mm. terrifying and but it's but it's even it's almost worse than that because i feel like in most horror movies someone makes it out at the end mm -hmm. this is like a horror movie that is unending explicitly unending um oh man yeah it's like fucking like it's like a, it's more like a Saw movie than a normal, like a classic horror thriller. <laughs> Let's play a game. <laughs> it, it, which, uh, funny enough, that kind of sounds like Jim Cash's voice. So, you know. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, the, the other thing that just is like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that this album... I hope, I hope that I will never have a time in my life where this album really hits for me. Uh, like, yeah, I can, I can access some pieces here. I can see where it is really powerful. I think it is, I think it is a really remarkable thing. Like, I, like it feels like a true piece of art to me in that it is, uh, even if it's not autobiographical, it is capturing a truth um, about how bleak stuff like relationships can be. But like, at least at the time that he's writing this record, this view, this worldview about relationships is like, uh, I, I I found it very off-putting. Like, um, I it's like right off the top. It's like in in the casualty when he's talking about it, and this really like sort of sums it up for me is uh, the the lyric is nighttime triggers the landmines, bedroom wounds, lovers like brigadiers marching two by two. It's like you're looking at it like a war. Yeah. And I don't ever want that to be the way I approach a relationship. I mean, especially a romantic relationship. Yeah. And I know that's not very Machiavellian of me, CC locks Machiavelli, but it's just like, no, I, I think that's very fair. And I, I, you and I will probably, this will come up when we talk about what has aged the worst, like 
I think this feeling of, well, let's just stick it out. Like we're too tired. Let's just do it. Like, <laughs> fuck man, that doesn't work. That's, that's not it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, love you pulling in. I mean, it, and, and we'll get to this a little bit. The casualty, what a fucking intro and, and what a way to drop you into the, the way that I feel when I hear that is like, there's no warm up. It punches you in the face. Like right when it starts, you feel the punch in your chest. Like you're dropped into the middle of a fight and you're just like, Oh shit. Like what, how did I get here? It's, it's like, um, the, the Donald Glover, like coming back to the room with the pizza and community and like, everything's on fire. Just like, Holy shit, man. Like, um, it's, it's, it's a really fitting way to start the album and, and we can dig into it in a little bit. I do have one trivia question. There's not a lot of trivia about this album because it's pretty esoteric, but uh, I have a couple of uh, yeah I, I, questions for, for you. Let's do it. So there are two films that are explicitly referenced on this album. Ooh. I'm curious if you have any idea. All right, let me, let me think here. Two albums explicitly referenced. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I don't think I know either one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first one is yeah. Rosemary's Baby. Oh. Baby, which for context for the listeners is a, it's a song about the birth of the Antichrist. And the context in which this is used is, let's see, which one is it? No, I think it's the martyr. So the 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 phrase in particular that's like a true invocation of it is like when it's like this is year one. So this yep. is uh, like um, so 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 it's begun. This is year one, the birth of a child in the form of a man. Yeah. Like that is an explicit Ooh. reference to Rosemary's Baby, where at the end of the film, Antichrist has been born. The followers of the Antichrist are celebrating his birth. And they keep on chanting, this is year one. This is year one. This is year one. So oh, it's oh. like, yeah, the shivers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that me up a little bit. Yeah. Wow. No, it's it's like, it's terrifying. And, and and then it's it's drawing the kind of parallel between this alcoholic man and like the Antichrist. It's, there's a lot there. But this is, so that's one of them. Uh, and that's terrifying. And then two, Ooh. um, <laughs> I believe this is a David Lynch film, Eraserhead. I don't know if you know Eraserhead. Oh, yes. I I know that I wasn't allowed to rent it from the video store uh, for a long time. <laughs> you got the Permaban on Blockbuster. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I have less context on Eraserhead. I don't even know that it's explicitly a horror film. I think it's like a very unsettling film. I will uh, tell you from a... 13 second Google image search. It is definitely a horror film. It looks scary. <laughs> uh, black and white. The guy has a very shocked look on his face on the on the cover. Um, so the reference there is to the radiator. I believe that that's like a oh. thing that causes disturbance in Eraserhead. And there's a song on this album called The Radiator Hums. Um, oh. So it's interesting. Like, again, if we kind of bucket Eraserhead as like, uh, a horror for a film or at least one that's disturbing like the source material against which tim casher is referencing in drawing is again pretty fucking bleak not just bleak but like explicitly like scary right which i think yeah. is interesting but also fitting of of this film because i i like 
the impressionistic angle that I would have on this is like, it just feels like the entire album is a fight that you have at like 1 a.m. drunkenly with like your partner, right? Like it feels like it's inside the confines of this like claustrophobic house and it's dark and you're just like battling. And and I think that that's something that's probably explicitly referenced like multiple times on, yeah. on the album, but it also has that feeling of like the claustrophobia of, of horror in there is, as well. A hundred percent. That's such a good word, word to describe it. Claustrophobic. And like, you know, we've talked about how bleak it is and how, you know, I, I think we've, I really felt like it was just like unrelenting. Like you said, like it punches you in the face and there is not a moment that you have to recover. And I find actually that any time, like there's a couple of song breaks and I, I wish I had the specific songs, but it's like, there's this moment where I would like, take a breath and I feel like, Oh, finally there's like a melody here and something a little more accessible. And then it just drops into something and you're like, Oh, I like, this is like, this is worse than the last one. And, but that claustrophobia, like, you know, as with some of our other albums, it's like, I found it easy to sort of like drop in, drop it out of them or like not listen to it all in one sitting. This is so short that almost every time I went to listen to some of it, I would listen to the whole thing, you know, on my way to work or whatever. And it's like, it just grips you by the throat. Yeah, I arrive at work and I'm like, eyes twitching. Uh, but I, I, my favorite thing here that I just came across is this, or this description of Eraserhead that's like the Google summary. But Henry resides alone in a bleak apartment surrounded by industrial gloom. I'm like, did you just describe the place they recorded this album? Like, that sounds exactly like, but okay. Um, industrial group yeah god that's good that's good trivia and uh makes me appreciate and be, be a little more afraid of the album than i was moments ago mm. no it's it's um it's almost like radioactive in a way right like it's it's yeah it's scary to touch um but that's because we're soft boys i think for the hardcore people maybe maybe it's less maybe it's less scary. yeah yeah but it is so like it's so raw and emotive like that it like you're right it feels like it's like hot to the touch that you're like but it's almost like has its own gravity too like you're scared that you're gonna get like sucked into it and like if i align too closely with this um and you know it's kind of funny because i i wrote uh when i was thinking about like my own experience with saddle creek it's like i knew a little bit about cursive much more from the ugly organ that album is a lot more accessible it is still it was still on the outer periphery of like my thing but like uh all of the saddle creek like bands they all felt like they had that hipster scene cred because it was a little too much for most of the people in western mass at the time and that's not really quite true like there's some pretty like like Sonic Youth like had huge popularity in Western Mass. Like I think they actually like came up out of Western Mass, but um, or maybe one of them lived there or something. But like, um, you know, with some of these songs and some of these bands, you know, you like get a couple of their songs off LimeWire or whatever, and like a few of them, I was like, this isn't for me. I'm flying too close to the sun. My little like teenage soft boy status needs a little bit more of a melody, like. Oh, maybe I could get a Blink One Eighty Two harmony in here. Yeah, that'll help me feel better. Um, 
but yeah, there was something even then that I was like, oh God, this is this is too much for me. <laughs> I, I think Saddle Creek used to do this thing. This might have been how I heard about Cursive in the first place. I, they used to like have these sampler CDs of yes. like, like yes. two tracks or one track from, from all of the artists. And I think that that was like a, a way that you could kind of dip your toe in. I forget who the first band of, like from Saddle Creek that I listened to was, whether it was Cursive or... No, it was. It probably was cursive, and then that that might have gotten me into Rilo Kylie or something like that. But yeah, oh. that, that, that's part of I think how it probably happened for us. A hundred percent. I'm like <laughs> I like immediately went to the Saddle Creek store, and there's this there's a compilation called Saddle Creek 50 that they originally put out in 2003. Uh huh. I feel like we must have had this. It has like the faint, uh, worked up so sexual by the faint, yeah. uh, with arms outstretched, Rilo Kylie, Jenny, you're no, barely alive, Rilo Kylie, the martyr by cursive. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, I have a, I have a piece of trivia for you, but you may already know it. You may have come across it through your through your research. What do you think Pitchfork gave this album? Oh, I, I I do know this one. I, I think I think they, they gave it an eight. They gave it an eight. Yeah, perfect. Which is which is like fucking. Of course they did. I don't know if you read the review. I mean, I assume you did. If you if you saw it, it's like it's fucking terrible. It's such a badly written review. Like there isn't even a byline on it. So I don't. Is this pre, like, before they had multiple writers? I, I think they might have, like, migrated an old article or something. Yeah, because because there's something w- weird about the t- the header as well. Like, yeah. They pull in. But it's dated in 2000. And, uh, but my, my favorite line in the fucking thing that is so, I, it just warps my brain that, that Pitchfork was the preeminent tastemaker for some time when they have shit like this. The quote is, I've come to the conclusion that the worst thing about Cursive's new record is that it's actually called Cursive's Domestica, which is painfully reminiscent of the maligned Mad Season by Matchbox 20. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about, dude? What? Like, that dude's head is so far up his own ass. I assume it's a dude. It's so far up his own ass that he's, like, referencing some other review he wrote about matchbox 20 or something i don't know man i don't know here's the thing though <laughs> it is dumb that it's cursive domestica like why do they got to do that <laughs> look man i think with, with the concept album all bets are off man I, it is it's true it's like very theatrical here's here's domestica like and i guess that's probably what they do with the ugly organ as well but um I think uh, I think Tim Casher thought that was like him putting a distance between. Oh, oh it's not. It's, <laughs> for Americans, not no, no, no. This is not my autobiography. It's not Cursive's autobiographical domestic. <laughs> cool, cool. Oh boy. Oh fuck me. Uh, okay. I have one more one more minor piece of trivia that I bet you won't get, but it's fun to ask anyway. Yeah. Uh, sat in 1997, Saddle Creek put out a split single LP with a band called Park Ave and what other band? It's, I'm assuming if you're mentioning it, that it's someone that we know. Yes. Saddle Creek 1997. Yeah. Um, well, and you've named off a lot of Rilo Kylie, The Faints. I have not named this band tonight. Are they from the Midwest? 
I don't know the answer for that. I think so. Are they emo? Uh, that is up for debate. It that has uh, here's your hint. That has been explicitly debated by you and I recently, not on this podcast. Oh no, I I I'm uh, no no I don't have it. I don't have it because the only one that I have in my head is Def Jam, but um... the Reds. Oh, I thought that was pretty wild. I was surprised to see them there. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. That was good enough that I had to pull it. Uh, there was almost zero chance, I think, for you to get it. I don't know how you would have ever done it. I when I saw it there, I was shocked. Um, but wow, interesting. Um, yeah, pretty interesting, and and more kind of middle age, inue like confronting existential questions type music yeah I, yeah uh myers would advocate that they are emo i don't know if that's true man <laughs> i think they're deep but you know maybe we'll maybe we'll have to have them back for uh for another episode down the road when we've uh exhausted literally <laughs> i don't know. I, I i i the brands are one of my favorite bands but they're i don't know we could do a metal lands episode at some point that might be interesting that's even more esoteric than this though probably yeah, I mean, as long as it's not bleaker. <laughs> I don't know that movie. That, in my head, that album's not bleak, but they also have a song called Hopeless. So, <laughs> um, oh, man. All right, that, that was a good one. That was a good poll. Um, cool. Categories, yeah? Categories, let's do it. Unless you have further evidence that this is not an autobiographical reference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I... Correct, no, uh, I plead the fifth. Um, yeah, so uh, why don't you kick it off for us? At the Circle K, Lox Machiavelli, ZFK Award. What are you putting away as your aim away message? What did you put away from this album as your aim away message? You have some some real real true life? I yeah, it's, it. it's, it's interesting because this album caught me senior year. I think I, I, I might have found Ugly Organ junior year of high school and this came like senior year. Mm-hmm. And it was right around, it, this is going to be fucking bizarre to you, but um, it was around the time when we had to choose senior quotes. So Hell there yeah. was a flash. There was Hell a yeah. of a second where I was like, wow, I'm going to I'm gonna have my senior quote be a fucking cursive lyric from Domestica. Even though they weren't my favorite band, this was not my favorite album, but like um, it was, and it, the quote actually makes no fucking sense. Um, but the one that I had was from Shallow Means Deep Ends. The part where they, they repeat this lyric, like swimming at night, we finally hit, hit, we finally hit, bottom. and the way that it explodes, like the, the, the thing that I love about certain parts of this album is like, it feels really tight, much more to like hardcore music than to some of the pop punk stuff. Like they, they have very different set of um, antecedents and like, um influences than basically anyone else that we've heard and this is like a perfect hardcore moment the way that it drops and then the way that they kind of scream out of it um and <laughs> for the people at home i'm currently windmilling in my room ready to hit the mosh pit <laughs> uh were you a mosh pit guy uh soft boy mosh pit yeah i uh I went to a show pretty recently. Uh, I went to see Spanish love songs. Yeah. They were they were amazing. It was like them and a bunch of other like newer, younger, twinkly Midwest emo bands. 
those other bands were fine. This band is like emo for your thirties. Maybe we'll do one of their, their albums later on. They're amazing. But uh, it was the first time I'd been in a mosh pit probably in 20 years, maybe. I mean, not that much. Years. I went by myself. It was pretty fun. Nice. Definitely drank too many PBRs as like the old dude at the show. Like, oh God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, mosh, moshed a little bit. It was fun. But yeah, soft boy moshing. Like if it, if, if, People were really swinging. I was like, no, that's not for me. <laughs> Do you mosh? No, no. Because And the thing that was dumb was I was always like probably bigger than most of the people that were in the pit. But yeah, it just scared any sort of physical contact that was like unconstrained, like scared me. Yeah. So like I would get pushed around and I'd, I'd always like I was always going with like romantic interest in these concerts and i'd be like we should probably move <laughs> like, <I> was, <laughs> like let's just get away from the edge of the, the mosh like i, I don't want to be in there so um no i, I there there i do have like a passing interest in it now but i i still don't really fully understand like what you're supposed to do and like is it a, like it's like bumper cars i mean i always really liked and again you're gonna have different mosh pits pits at different concerts with different bands right but when i was a teenager i was really into the idea i think i think i had this really particular view of myself uh as like an example of a person who could be punk and have spiked hair and also get good grades like i really wanted to have this like and be a nice person and like have this duality and like the the best frame of reference i have for it is like my grandparents were really like preppy and proper like my grandfather went to Princeton like my grandmother is English and like she like was just so prim and proper and like they had no acceptance or interest in my spiked black hair like they were like what the fuck is this and I wanted to like prove them wrong so that part of me really loved the idea that you go to a show and you get in the mosh pit and the mosh pit, everybody's like, whoa, it's everybody's moshing. It's like, it's actually a really supportive environment because they push you down, but their first thing they do is pick you back up and make sure everybody's safe and nobody's getting hurt. And it's like, well, sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes that's not how it is. It really depends on the scene. And I don't know. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's a thing where it's like, if someone really understands the philosophy and the unspoken rules of the mosh pit, then it's yeah. great. But yeah. Yeah. once you have the edge people that just see it and they're like, oh, people are fucking each other up. Let me get in there. Then it's yeah. like, no, you yeah. don't want to be in those matches. So I'm sure that there's probably some spectrum of etiquette and, and, and like in terms of like how well people get it that might yeah. track yeah. to like whether or not the fans are pretenders or not. So it's interesting. Um, I wish that people could have seen your windmilling. Uh, that was hilarious. <laughs> Maybe they can hear the whooshing on the. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was full extension and the, the form was fantastic. So, um, talk to me about this. What, what, what are you pulling out here? Uh, yeah, I, I pulled two quotes. Um, and the first one is just, I, I really liked, it was also from shallow means deep ends. And it's just that line shallow means deep ends. Like yeah. as the kind of sort of ambiguous thing that is a little cutting and very, uh, I think clever, uh, that that really would speak to me as like an away message um yeah and i, I just think i think it's a, a really really smart lyric it's smart. um and then the the other one that i had was from uh the game of who needs who the worst 
uh, and said, "It's as it as it occurred. It occurred to me. Who needs who?" And I definitely would have loaded that one up for like, "Am I feeling like a little bit of a fuck you?" or even the opposite, right? Like I could be feeling a little bit of uh, like, uh, oh, maybe I do need you. Like I, I fucked up. Like you can do sort of double duty. That's the kind of one where I would imagine I probably would have had two versions of it. One is color coded with like, uh, like pink and blue. So it's like, who needs who? The pink is first, I, the blue is second. Like, oh, you need me. And then the other one is the opposite where it's oh, blue, blue needs pink. Yeah, yeah, oh. so... <clears throat> this is so strong. That's we're getting we're getting a lot of insight into how cool I was in high school <laughs> right now. Oh no, god. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um that, that's that's well, I okay. You might have to do a tutorial on uh email way messages at some point. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What the do's and don'ts. <laughs> how to how to get how to get the most passive aggressive cries for attention out into the world. Is he okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, okay, cool. Next one. Chris Caraba, hands down. This is the best day I can ever remember moment from the beautiful and uplifting Domestica. What do you have for us? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I think the radiator hums was like where I was at. I, I think that that song... I don't know. That song just had legs for me. And like, it was, I don't know. It's, it's confrontational, uh, but I really like the music of it. The whole thing's confrontational, but I, the music is interesting to me. And like, it's, I, I felt like it's like the, like only sort of outlet I had in this album. Like the only sort of like, not that I'm ever really getting a breath of fresh air, but there's like, I don't know. It's just, it just connected. It just connected for me. Like, I, I mean, in an album that I didn't feel like it has many of these sort of standout moments. This song was like the one that I kept coming back to. Um, how about you? What, 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 what was, what's that? Don't call me pretty baby. Yeah. Don't call me pretty baby. God. <laughs> no. And then are you ready for bed? Like just, that's it, right? Like that's that's the end of the the end of the album where they're inviting you to stay. That that um I, I did pick that out actually not for this moment, but for the um for the Lax Machiavelli at the Circle K award. Like that that last part with shattered dinner plates, that's how we'll communicate. Hey pretty baby, are you ready for bed? Or that is fucking brutal, man. Like that is so rough. But yeah, like, just such a good metaphor and, and, and couple of lines around like how the relationship has like feels at that point. It's 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 a really good like yeah. I, I want to be ballsy enough and I don't have moments in my life that like that's an applicable way message. But there's something about that set of lines where I was like, fuck, yeah, that that is. Yeah, it's perfect. I'm glad that you don't have that. Um, but yeah, man, it's, I, it's, and maybe that's what I was coming back to is it's just like, it's like has some of those moments. The whole album is chock full of them. The whole album is an encapsulation of that feeling, but it is like in that way of like a, a, a moment of truth mm -hmm. that you're like, 
yeah fuck you it is autobiographical like yeah yeah you didn't stay which is good in real life but that you are that you are conceiving of this relationship where someone does stay is like uh heartbreaking yeah yeah what about you what's uh what's your what's your hands down um i i I cheated a little bit. It's it's a meta thing. Like I I think the concept album really worked here, and in particular, the thing that I think they do really well on this album is like the recurring motifs and like Chekhov's guns of uh, items in the album. So they in the mm. first song and then the last song in mm. like uh, in the casualty in the night that I lost the will to fight like they refer to a couple of things that are, that are like circular. Right. So this idea of like, and, and actually I, I don't know if exactly the right songs, but the night is falling down the stairs, the staircase, like that line, that, that metaphor. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that we referenced before of like the hole in the wall from when someone threw their phone, which like actually doesn't make that much sense. Cause they didn't have cell phones. then, so I, I don't know what that's referencing, but like. They had cordless phones. Okay. They might have cordless phones. Yeah. So um I think that the the that's kind of bookends the album the way that they refer to those things and it's it's it works a lot for the concept and the feeling of this album which is that it's not like one explosive fight this is a like downward staircase back and forth pendulum of fights that are probably about the same shit and they're just amplifying in terms of intensity yeah. and you can't get over these things right and, and, and so that feeling of being stuck in it's <laughs> i don't know if you've seen that keelan peel sketch where they're lmfao but they're stuck in hell have you seen that one <laughs> no so, but the whole oh concept is God. like that it's like party rock and yeah. they like they can't stop partying but then at some point like you can see in their faces that they want to stop partying yeah and, yeah, and, yeah like everything that they do is just an infinite loop back to like the start of the party like that's what this kind of feels like where it's like yeah. no matter what you're looped into this domestic hell and it, all of the things that you fight about just loop back upon themselves and then become triggers for fights again like that's yeah. kind of the feeling and that's I, the thing that they stitch together pretty effectively on this album so it sucks because it's fucking sad and like draining yeah Uh, but in terms of you know like i won't say this is the most enjoyable record but it is like highly effective in terms of uh the emotion that they're trying to communicate and and the feeling so um yeah i think 100 percent. the the moon is the other one that that comes up that's right the moon that's right i tried to do a little research into this and i i couldn't really i didn't i don't think i understand what that metaphor is about but the the, the moon has raped me comes up a couple of times that's right like uh i don't know definitely like a another just another unsettling metaphor that again is like uh looped it comes up in the lament of pretty baby after the casualty as well i agree with you i i stayed away from that one in particular because i was like i have no idea what this means and like it feels yeah and i don't yeah heavy but uh yes yes that's that's the other one that's right um, um all right so uh, i will kick off well i guess this is growing up please uh, because i feel like i had a little bit of a cop out here but like i i don't 
I don't have something about this album that I felt like really hits for me as an adult. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. <laughs> and like, like, I can connect to some of the sentiments in them, but like the entirety of the concept of this album is uh, a premise that I'm not, not interested in like accepting or aligning with myself. So it's like, I was like, I don't, and you know, I, I think I have some things like, I, I definitely have some things for like stuff that, um, hasn't aged well that I think could slot into this category a little bit, but um, but like they're not, they're not outdated per se, but um, yeah, I, I didn't really have anything great for this. So what do, what do you have for me? Uh, what's, what's hitting for you as an adult? Uh, you have three hours. Um, no, it's, <laughs> so the thing that I have in my notes is it just, the first line just says, man, dot, 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 dot. So there's some shit, right? But uh, maybe I'll, I'll zoom out a little bit and, and kind of give some perspective on what this album might mean for other people. So yeah. one of the things that I heard or that Casher says in that interview is this happened the first time that he went and toured the album. It's still happening now. Is like he will, you know, play this album front to back. And then after it's done, people will like wait to meet him. And the thing that they talk about, they're always like, this really, you know, this related so much to my relationship, like, and like basically pour their hearts out to him in terms of how closely his, the experiences that he's referencing here relate to their lives. And at some point he's just like, uh, shouldn't you go see a therapist and like talk to your therapist about yeah. this? Um, but I, I, I do think that that's part of, and I don't know that I introed it uh, specifically, but that's part of why this album is like, noteworthy and part of why it's it is like fits in the canon and it's like an important album for us to cover because like it it fits that perfect spot of it is the most relatable thing i think for like middle-aged people that get into their life and they're like this is not what i want it to be like i i thought this this relationship started one way and now it's another um so it, it, it even it's not a cop-out answer but I, th I think that it's like super relatable just like the topic matter and the tone of things for a lot of people and yeah. what I'll say specifically is like um, the thing that the ages in, in that I can feel is, is kind of the reference to the thing that I have above, which is like in relationships that are longer term, that are in trouble, like you have that buildup of scar tissue. And like there are things that like you might want to let go of phone and the, the, the phone that put the hole in the hole, the the night that fallen down. Like you, you want to, but you can't. And, and, and that buildup of things is enough to just like kind of it's it's heavy and it makes things really weighty and then yeah. at some point and this is what happens in this album that feeling of like oh, fuck like i just don't want to fight about this more. i don't i don't I, like I, I give up caring right like yeah. i don't know if i've ever felt that but like that that build up of scar tissue not being able to get past things like uh, you know i think that i'm probably better at it now than i was uh, two years ago, but yeah, I, I definitely feel that, and I've, I've felt that in, in some of my relationships, and uh, that I do think is, you know, the fortunate thing is that we all got out, right, and and everyone's kind of a better party for for having done that. But I can relate in terms of that being the thing that just starts to uh, make everything incredibly difficult within the context of a relationship. So yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, and that's such like a crazy capper of the album, like the night I lost the will to fight. It's like the whole album is about fighting. Yeah. The last song is about like I'm I'm too tired to fight anymore. But that doesn't mean it's over like it doesn't mean like I'm like I'm not it's done with this. Like, I'm too yeah, it's like I'm gonna but it's not even like I'm rolling over. It's like I don't know, man. Like I like I'm searching for like the the war metaphor. It's like a a, a temporary armistice, like yeah, some sort of, like yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. like you're spending the whole album throwing hundreds of guys at the trenches to yeah. gain a hundred yards and then lose a hundred yards. And then at the end of the day, you've you know, everybody's worse off for it and no ground was gained. And you take a break for Christmas and then start again in the new year or whatever. <laughs> well, what Jesus Christ. That that's the perfect enough, right? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 to kind of loop to to the war metaphor that they used. And yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And and that's that's the the horrifying thing about this album is like you're losing, you're constantly losing, and you're still in it. Yeah, right. And, and, right. And, that's that's just the whole thing. So, um, wow, fuck. Uh, what what are we doing? For, <laughs> how do we like? We just we need a loop back. We need to be happy. It's a point in either this episode or in the next album. Like, we it's need- not this one. It's not, not this, this one. one. It's not this one. So, okay. Wait, wait. I got it. I got it. I got it. The next category is perfect. Uh, this is the first song for your mixtape. What are you putting? What song? What's that song that you're putting on a mixtape? No, no, I just put LL on here. There's nothing, dude. There's There's nothing. There's nothing. There's not even like, even with albums that we've been like, oh, these are all like sad songs, negative songs. Like you don't want to put these on an album when you're trying to like win somebody over. There's nothing here that I could even like put out there as like, here's cred for my, like we, like everything on this album is like, fuck you, I hate you. Like what is like where there's no hook ins here. No, no, and and like there, I think you're right. In the previous times, we've been like, oh, like maybe it's the artistry of the song, or like there's something really interesting. Like, and no, that's just not the way that this album's built. Like, I don't know that there's a lot of variation sonically in this album. The yeah. thing that is interesting is, I don't know if you picked up on this, but like, uh, some of the guitar instrumentation sounds kind of. Persian, <laughs> like it sounds Eastern in a way, like mm. um, in particular, like um, Shalomin Stephens. Like if you think about the intro guitar that they kind of put in there, it's like it's angular in a way, and and that stuff is like musically interesting. And you can't get past the fact that like you're right, everything's a fuck you, everything is depleting and bleak, and like you can't explain your way out of any of this shit. So no. I also think it <clears throat> suffers a little bit from not suffers. It is the point of it, but it, it is, uh, it has a little bit of the same situation as, as uh, we talked about with like Pinkerton where it's like, there aren't hits on this song, this album, there aren't supposed to be hits, but like there aren't even like songs that stand out to stand alone. No, like, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause when you, when you look at like the, um, the, plays on on spotify like yeah it 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 is almost in sequential order in terms of like the most plays are the first song yeah most of the second song like it's because there's not there's not an, another entry into this album right, right? 
there's not a, a, a waypoint where you're like, oh yeah, I just want to hear that one. It's like, no, you yeah. hear it start to finish and yeah. that's it. Right. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, it, it, it is. And like, I, I would say like sonically, there's some variation in terms of like the, the chords he's using, the guitar sounds, but sure. it is more than I think any of the albums that we've listened to, like pretty monotonous in terms of the sound. And, and again, I think that I don't want to attribute too much to like the design or the concept of the album where it might just be like bad musicianship. But like, I, I do think that in this case, like the monotony and like the drudgery of getting through shit is probably part of the experience. Um, Absolutely. I mean, like, I don't like this album hits one note. There's a reason that this album is 32 minutes long. Like you're nobody's sitting through more of that, right? Like nobody's sitting through goodbye sky Harbor version of this. One of the songs on this album, like, I can't be there for that long. I can't be like even Tim Kasher, who is like excising Rosemary's baby demon from himself. Like he can't stay in it for more than 30 minutes. Like it's, it's, it's too hot. It's too much. So I, I, I don't, I think, I think the music musicianship is intentional. I think it is hitting one note really hard. And, and that's not to say that there aren't dynamics to it and that it isn't, you know, it, it, it is really well thought out. It is about something. I, one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking earlier about it, you know, the, the sort of concept of it and how that works. I really like that. This is, um, when I think of a concept album, I usually think of like an album that is telling a story. And obviously this is sort of telling a story, but it's not telling a story with a beginning, a middle and an end. No, it is, it is, it is a, it is a concept album in in a more literal sense of the word to me like that it is literally about a concept it is about dysfunctional a dysfunctional relationship yeah yeah um and it you know is exemplified by these two characters and it is must be drawing heavily from uh tim casher's own life though it is not autobiographical and <laughs> um but it you know it, it is a concept and it and it and it captures that concept but yeah there's no long tail here like there's no this album is the right length it shouldn't be longer it shouldn't be shorter there's nothing else that belongs in this yeah uh, you know my only thought is how dare people suggest that this is autobiographical i don't know where they would get that from that's some bullshit but um okay next one uh, it's like you are a dime a dozen should we have considered any other albums from this artist you go ahead Ayo. yeah i mean uh, you'll probably have better insight on this i think you you seem to have a little bit more to to talk about here i think ugly organ seems like it's the only other one that is really worth mentioning I think it's probably from a little bit of cursory research more popular than this one. Um, but and it's definitely more accessible. But in the context of our pop podcast, we ain't never had a choice before. I mean, we had to do Domestic of December, right? Like yeah, uh, we had to. We were in October, like maybe, but ooh, ooh. Hmm. 2024. <laughs> Um, yes, I, I think that you're right, that it would have to be either this or the ugly organ. Um, but I think in terms of the significance of emo, the, 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 the relevance, like this is the one, but I will say the ugly organ is like 
infinitely more fun to listen to. And yeah. a couple of reasons for that. One is just, it's not about fucking like decay, emotional decay. <laughs> yeah. But two, the thing that they start to fold into the ugly organ that they may have here, but not really is believe they have a cello in the ugly organ. Yeah. I, I like bands that can start to fold in like a different string in, instrument. Yeah. Um, like fucking yellow card just blew my mind. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think that, that just creates a different texture to the songs. Everything sounds uh, just brighter, for lack of a better word. And there are some real bangers on uh, that album, right? So, like, Spotify just starts to, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm curious actually what gets served to you um, on autoplay. But mm. like whenever, like, if you finish this album, what autoplays for you? What, uh, it keeps playing this same song uh, by the Casket Lottery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're getting me with that. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is either. I, I kind of like it. <laughs> um, it's a good reset on my way into work. <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe I can write the ship a little bit before I oh get in. God. Um, okay, okay. So they, they give us that. I think the other thing that they give me a lot is they'll give me like the Recluse or like yeah. some redheaded slide. Love that song from and, and like it is immediate right like the thing that's crazy is like when you're listening to this through you finish uh you know i lost the the, the will to fight or whatever and then a, whatever song immediately comes after it's just like the like the blinds open and you're like oh shit like it's it's daytime like what the fuck is yeah, happening yeah, yeah um so and, and and that is basically any song on ugly organ so it would have been a more fun listen i don't know that it would have been a more like substantive one i'm enjoying the conversation that we're having just because it's like so specific but yeah i agree that'd be i agree yeah um you're so last summer award what has not aged well to you yeah so uh sort of similarly to you know well i guess this is growing up i, I actually feel like i feel like there i didn't feel like there was a lot about this album that didn't age well um which was crazy. Like, it doesn't feel outdated to me at all. Like, uh, certainly musically, this this style maybe isn't in un, in vogue right now, but this album could absolutely be released released today. There's like, I don't, I like, I don't feel like they're, I, I really didn't feel like the musical trappings of it felt old, which sort of surprised me. Um, it sounds indie. It sounds sort of, underproduced maybe but some of that i think is just the way of it and um the, the only thing i did say is I, I i do think that there is something that feels very late 90s to me about this um i can't i'm not sure i can capture what that is but that version of the sort of like grungy dystopia weird pushback against the consumer malaise of the crazy success of the 90s like i think i've talked about it before but i think it's it sort of it has a little bit of the same mood to me as like fight club or like american beauty like yeah. it just has this weird thing where it's like there are people existing in a space that like all of society is in this happy-go-lucky place and like this is not how it is for everybody and so there's this dark side that people are are wanted to capture in movies and stories so it has a little bit of that to me. Um, yeah. 
the only other thing I had was throwing the phone against the wall. Yes. yes. Cell phone. That's Is it right. a cordless phone? Is it the whole fucking like rotary dial? And you like I I did really actually most of the time when I was listening to this could imagine it like ding, like hearing the bell inside go ping as it like shattered. Uh, uh, it's it's interesting though you would have to be close to the wall though because there's a cord so I don't I don't well right I was like you rip out the cord <laughs> I don't know they do it in movies sometimes right. That that's that's interesting. That would be very dramatic. So yeah, that yeah. maybe maybe it adds an additional layer to fuck. I had always I was being a dumb dumb. I always I always thought it was like a I, I mean, if you're gonna put a hole in a wall, it's probably one of those early Nokia phones, if I had to guess. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> the like black box phone, like right. made out of the most indestructible right. material in the world. Yeah. 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 I, I mean it could have been. When did those when did uh when did those phones get released? I, I think it's probably Right about that time, if I had to guess, two thousand three. Yeah, it's, it's probably right there. Two thousand. I bet. I bet that phone was like two thousand one. If I had to guess, I don't want the latest Nokia phones. Latest? What, what could know. possibly be the latest? I don't know. They're they're still making phones. Jesus. I don't know. Incredible. Is it the Nokia One Plus? One can't find. Can't find it. I tried to find it. That's okay. That's okay. The internet failed me. <clears throat> yeah. So it could have been one of those Nokia phones, that's for sure. What about you? What do you have for uh your your so last summer? No, it it's um I, I hold on, hold on. You found you're finding it? <laughs> yeah, let's see. Wait. Uh I came back in 2017. When was it built? Oh, come on. Give it to me. 3310. 3310. Yeah, it's a revival in 3310. <laughs> in a retrospective piece, Tech Republic called the Nokia 3310 a big, tough cockroach of a phone and praised its quote unquote legendary durability. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Incredible. Wait, hold on. Uh, when was this built? Uh, come on. September 2000. September 1, 2000. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This was released in 2000 as well, right? So they like may that. maybe. Oh, no. September? I think this came out in June. Damn. 2000? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Could have been. It could have been. Could have been. Tim Capture could have been an early adopter of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He had the beta version of the Nokia phone. Oh my god, that's incredible! That's, oh, wow. I choose to believe that. Mm. Uh huh. Uh huh. It was definitely one of those Nokias. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, I, I I don't have a good answer to this. I I I think your point about the fact that it does feel kind of timeless is a really good one. I think in part because it 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 fits with like the claustrophobia, like. There's no external reference to anything. Everything is self-contained. Everything is something that could happen at any point in any relationship because it's all about just the conflict and the emotion, yeah. right? Like they're not re like referencing technology or places or anything. It's it's just in the confines of the house and just between these two or three characters and that's it. So it's, it's almost impossible to age, right? Yeah. Um, sonically, like I, I, I see your point and like it feels heavier and 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 
anchored to the past a lot more than the ugly organ. So I think that that's true. Um, I just put in, in my notes, I was just like, it's not fun to listen to that. That's part of that as an age. Well, it's just like, is it fun? Uh, but that's, that's, I think that that's also the point. So, um, yeah, I do think it is, uh, maybe to extend the metaphor, it is kind of like that Nokia 3310 phone. It's just, it's, it's a cockroach. Like it, it just will be this way for, for the rest of eternity, you know? Yeah. 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 I don't know. And it's so crazy. It's like, <clears throat> I guess I guess there are like plenty of pieces of media that sort of exist that way. Not really like painted art, but like I'm sure there are plenty of plays that you don't ever want to see again, or like a movie you don't ever want to see again. But you you know it's like fucking Schindler's List or whatever. Like a, you know it's like something that is powerful and feels um, like meaningful, uh, like Independence Day, right? But but you don't. <laughs> yeah, like. You know, I remember that that one time, the only time ever, and he says, welcome to Earth, and he kicks the alien. It's like, I never wanted to see that again, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's is nominee for most powerful movies ever seen, so that's it feels important to know. Okay, well, I'm glad that he really likes that guy giving the inspirational speech as president, and it also moves me. But it's not, it's not. Today we celebrate our independence. Yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right. That movie is good, though. <laughs> our lawyer made us change the name of this song so we wouldn't get sued award. What is the most superfluous song title or lyric? Uh, wow, shoot. I didn't really go for lyric. I, I think they're pretty tight in, in terms of lyrics. Uh, yeah. I just put the game of who needs who the worst. I, it's just a little bit of it. I don't know. It's a little bit cheesy, and it it, it is long. Um, I do like. I can't, believe, I can't believe you didn't put cursives domestica. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I should have a song title or lyric, but actually, you're right. But that that is actually that that is the winner here. I mean, for me, it's just so painfully reminiscent of the m maligned Mad Season by Matchbox 20. I mean, fuck that person for shitting on Matchbox 20. Like, they're back, right? I don't know, man. Cursives Domestica. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good. That's that's right. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. The only other one I uh, sort of gave an honorable mention was uh, Making Friends and Acquaintances. Mm -hmm. um, actually, like, really like that song. I really like that that portion of the concept um it's pretty pretty aggressively tough but uh but I, that one is actually one of the few that i think oh i i guess i guess they do it does come up in the lyrics but uh at the, i at the time thought it did not come up in the lyrics and so that felt mm, oh i, I think see, it was I, a little outside of that but yeah. that was wrong yeah, yeah that was a wrong reference so I, but the way that he pronounces acquaintances is kind of drawn out. It's a, it's a long word. So yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for the memories. Would Would you go to the domesticatory? It happened last year. I don't know, man. I there's a price point at which I would go. It is not a high price point. I think I would be. I don't know how like uh, well connected I would feel in the. 35 plus divorcee community. Um, and, and like, I think it would be interesting to see this album performed front to back, but I don't, 
I don't know that I need it. Mm-hmm. What about you? What are you thinking? Go see, uh, them. Go see them in concert? It said maybe if I could talk to Tim Casher about my relationship troubles at the end. <laughs> 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 <That'd be> good. <laughs> oh, bro, you gonna you show up late to the opener so that you can spend three hours waiting in line after. The line is too long. It's too long. <laughs> what is, that? is that high fidelity? No, no. That's just that's that's me awesome. talking about how... <laughs> Oh man. Um, and then the other note that I have, I'm not sure that Tim Casher's great live. Like I, I wonder mm-hmm. it's I, I don't want to accuse because I haven't heard. I just wonder if part of the straining and the screaming like just won't sound as good live. Like if he just got really good takes when he was in, in the studio, but trying to re- recreate that level of 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 like rawness, I, I think might not be great. Uh, but I'm curious. I'm, 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 I wonder if if folks might have some reports back on that. So if anyone wants to do domestic tour, please let us know in in, in the the comments, and uh, would love to hear about it. The other question I have to you is like, do you mo- Would you watch this? Is this mosh music or is this like? Uh, yeah, definitely. Here? So I think with an album like this, the moshing is about like expressing that horrible emotion inside of you physically like literally trying to excise it Mm -hmm. like like and you know like obviously literally exercise is good at you know boosting serotonin and triggering your endorphins so like okay huberman pop off (laughs) obviously it's gonna literally make you feel better but i i do think that there is like you know that is like part of what it is about to go to a show like an emo show like this where you're like i i gotta get something off my chest when you're you know, you don't have a way to express it otherwise. Um, and so I think moshing in this context would would be that, right? Like, it's like, I think that's part of like why you jump up and down at shows or or whatever, or at least for me, um, sort of subconsciously. And so I think if you're going to this show and you're going to this show and there are a bunch of people who really feel this album and want to line up to talk to Tim Kasher, uh, you know, dripping you in sweat because they just moshed it all out that's what it's about yeah you're moshing you must be kicking the shit out of each other in the yeah and then picking each other back up because we stay together in the end mm-hmm. brutal fucking brutal horrifying horrifying all right sitting in the closet listening to loser rock was one of the songs from this album an episode title in one tree hill I'm glad you answered this one because I still have the wrong <laughs> title in my notes. So, if uh, not, which one should have been? Jesus, I, I, I did, I did the search on this. It, it came up dry. Basically, I don't know that any of the songs on this have ever been on any soundtrack, ever. Wow, like, oh man, maybe, I, maybe it's on the soundtrack to Eraserhead. I don't know, right? <laughs> the Exorcist Revolutions or something like that. Like whatever. Yeah. Uh no, mm. no 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 I I I would argue that this is um maybe the least screen ready and truly like unlistenable album that we've uh, had on here. Yeah. I don't I, I actually put in my notes. I don't want anything set to this. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I mean, uh, oh man, I, I don't know. I'm telling know. a bad story if this is you know if this is involved. I did feel like, uh, so when I was thinking thinking about it, sort of like 
like uh, theoretically, I was like, oh, I think making friends and acquaintances probably could have been not not the song, but the title um, for the episode or the night I lost the will to fight sounds like a One Tree Hill. And, and I actually when I was like looking at the episode list, like there's some pretty dark ones. Um, so like. I, I just I actually think almost any of the songs name wise could have could have gotten involved here that's interesting but none of the songs could be featured on here it just no no no, no. it's it's not it's not made for hollywood that no. i i do see the point though they are pretty melodramatic or yeah pretty melodramatic and, and pretty like tangible yeah you can see that yeah um the same scene is is this emo Yes. I, I mean, I don't, I, this is like, I don't think it's up for debate really at all. Uh, what I like, and I think we've talked about this a little bit, but like what I like is that this is very far to the post-hardcore side of things. Um, so we've, we've, you know, we did like clarity, which I think is like uh, a, a link between post-hardcore and a lot of the more mainstream stuff. Um, you can say soft boy, yeah. <laughs> in the vein of like the sort of like, I think probably like sunny day real estate or like American football stuff, like those sort of occupy that same space. This is either, I don't think it's like farther upstream. I think it's like its own sort of separate stream. Yeah. Um, and like, obviously this has led to something like bright eyes, which I think is like another strand and, and like that sort of, you know, there's there's definitely something very Midwest about it. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that there's. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's you know that it it's the Omaha scene really, and like that that it that is a that is a big big thing. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> uh, this might be a little controversial, but um, the thing that we hadn't really talked about is is that. Uh, an undercurrent in this is like the alcoholism, like the Sweetie's alcoholism, which tracks to Tim Casher's. And in my head, uh, it's like, uh, I kind of think that there's a lot of alcoholism in the Midwest, if I had to guess. So that that uh, that feels like a pretty right uh, approximation from from your end. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I agree, definitely emo. I like that it's yeah, it's it's definitely rooted in post hardcore and. Yeah. Then emotional introspective lyrics like yeah it's it's it, it's it's and and that's the thing i think that's fun about this relative to the other stuff that we listen to is like this is slam dunk emo mm -hmm. but then like clarity is also slam dunk emo there's there's a bunch mm -hmm. of slam emo. it's like what the fuck are we even talking about <laughs> how, how yeah 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 uh is it's like dog meats. how are these all the same animal? like it's crazy right like um yeah. but yeah yeah and that's where like the the genre parsing is both fun and fucking stupid to me in the yeah, same, like yeah, it's yeah. both, right? It's a little bit, of, it's fun to talk about and argue about, but there is no truth of it. And when you start like, I don't know. Relativity, it's that, the relativity thing that you it's, Yeah, it's the theory of emo relativity for sure, right? Like you look at the antecedents and the things that follow this and like, I don't know when you start tracing all those things back, like, yeah, they're going to have similar roots, but like the way in which they're related and separate 
and the same but in different i don't know so that's why something like washed up emos is this band emo.com is hilarious to just draw a line in the sand and be like yeah i know uh and why it's much more fun to talk about it on our podcast that's right that's right <laughs> A uh, decade under the influence karaoke award, my dude. What are you, uh, what are you singing at karaoke? I, I, I guess the question is, how quickly would the room clear if you tried to cue one of these up? Like, is everyone taking a pee break at this point, or is there anyone in the room that's like, okay, like, let me, let me just see what this shit is about? I mean, I've, I've done a lot of karaoke, so I think if you, I think. Anytime someone is singing a song, maybe that I don't know, that is like crazy, like I'm kind of there for it if they really are going for it. Mm -hmm. Um, What is this? There is a, um, someone did a Bjork song (laughs) once. Oh, they did it. They did it. It's oh so quiet, which, okay. Well, it's fucking crazy. The song is incredible. It is like, it oscillates between like, it's oh so quiet. And then like, it just like blows up into this big, like sort of screaming thing. It's fucking insane. It's totally insane. And it is an insane karaoke song. And I watched somebody do it and she absolutely crushed it out of the park because everybody was like, what the fuck is going on here? I don't even know if you get away with that with any of the songs on this album. They're, they don't have the dynamism, I think, to be able to do that. I want to note for the audience that you looked like a fucking gremlin when you did the Oso. <laughs> I was, was almost windmilling again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, um, yeah, man, like any of these songs, like your whatever karaoke performance you're doing, it's about you if you're doing one of these songs and it's it's bad. I actually did a little light. Oh, go ahead. No, go, go pop off. I did a little bit of a light searching to see if like cursive karaoke even exists. Okay. Turns yeah. out did find a version of the martyr on YouTube. Fucking brutal. Uh, it was uploaded two years ago, which like, is Jesus. interesting to me. Cause it seems like it's probably tangential to the re-release. Yeah. Um, but I would like a little uh, in the middle uh, trivia here how many views do you do you think it has had in those two years, two years. the martyr karaoke <laughs> i mean how many of them are like uh uh christian fundamentalists are <laughs> like looking for like, yeah probably uh, about 25 percent christian fundamentalists yeah. at least 70 percent uh like dudes who want to sing this song but can't play an instrument or something i don't know or maybe they would just sing okay. along with this, this is how, I would, how many how many you got uh, in my head the number 943 is popping up so i think they're nine incredible your sights are way too high i was 524 in wow. two years pretty crazy uh, pretty crazy. uh I, I think we need to do a wellness check on all, all 500 people that <laughs> well uh yeah there are a few other uh there were a few other songs like mostly from the ugly organ i saw sierra the recluse art is hard red handed sleight of hand like all of those the recluse i think could have some real play um art is hard could have some play uh 
I don't think anything from this album should be sung karaoke. Right. Although the next time you come to New York, we're we're definitely doing it. Sign so. me up, man. Yeah, live band karaoke just fucking bring everyone. <laughs> live band karaoke would be incredible. Okay. Hey, 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 you guys know the martyr? Hey, you guys know the casualty by cursive? No, dude, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> uh I, the thing that I put, I just had one. For some reason, the laments of pretty babies stuck out to me. Mm. Um, and the reason is there's something like that's a little conversational about that, and like it's it's a little like you're talking to yourself, right? So uh, at the end of of it, it's it's like cry yourself to sleep. I'm strong and you are weak. Wait, you are strong and I'm weak. That little flip is something that's like really nice, like um, and a little bit theatrical. And then there's some part in there that like because it's occupying the voice of, of a little baby, they're, like, they're playing, they're playing, and they're playing, and then, like, the beat drops out, and, like, it, there's a woman's voice that says, like, I'm broken, which I think is, like, a nice little touch. So Yeah, I'd, I'd super pay money to hear you say, and now she whispers into the mirror, I'm broken. I'm broken. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a little there's bit of showmanship. Gross. Yeah, right. there's showmanship. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. That is a good answer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's it. That's that's the only one though. Um I'm just like looking at the lyrics of this song and like I can hear it in my head. And it's just like this is fucking brutal, man. <laughs> that's it. We're in it, man. Ooh. Dude, listen, our long national nightmare is almost over. We have one more category and we're done with this. So incredible. Um, I'm just a notch but notch in a bedpost, but you're just a line of song. What's the best part? The problem with this category is this is probably the densest category that we've ever had. Dude, like, it's this insane. whole album is Burns, man. Like, it's insane. I mean, you could literally go song by song. You could go stanza by stanza probably and be like, that's a good burn. That's a good burn. That's a good burn. That's a good burn. It's fucking brutal. Um, the one that stuck out to me and I'll just uh, is from the martyr. Um, Sweet baby, don't cry. Your tears are only alibis. To prove you still feel, you only feel sorry for yourself. Well, get on that cross. That's all you're good for. Fuck you. My God. Like, Uh, that's one, two, three, four, five, six lines. And each couplet is like, hey, fuck you. Hey, big double fuck you. Hey, triple fuck you. Like, it's like, I don't have enough middle fingers to be giving, like, it's like, that is just fucking. It's tough. And that's where I'm like, I never felt that way about anybody. And like, I am known in my friend groups as like a pretty curmudgeonly guy who hates everybody. I never felt like that before, man. That is just like, good Lord, that is like, Coming out with the knives and saying shit on purpose to make somebody feel like worse than nothing. And like, that's just, that's just not in my operating system. No. And, and the thing is like, it's, um, it connects to that, that quote that I had at the beginning where you only, you only get to this point with someone if you, you stick in it, if it's a fucking yeah. infinite loop. Yeah. Uh, right. and, and like, you just have that buildup of, of, right. Of- and and scar tissue and you just you accept that this is what what domestic life is and like you're in it and it fucking sucks and and you're just so angry and bitter and mad about it and like right 
that, that you only have the the ammo to be able to say shit like this to someone when like yeah you've been with them for like a decade and you're just right this isn't this isn't stabbing someone in a new like just like for the first time this is poking old wounds this is rubbing salt in old shit yeah crazy um all right hit me hit me i know you've got got, you've got 10 you, you've been hit enough on this pod, uh, <laughs> on this episode, and that that was the one that I pulled out. That one is just fucking insane. Um, yeah. And and then, but you're right that it could be anything. And, and, and like, there's something about like the plain spokenness of these ones where it's like, you sure this isn't fucking autobiographical, man? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> no, man, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Um, <laughs> So the game of who needs who the worst, what did that prick whisper to you? Was it playful and flirty or degrading and dirty? I know you like it both ways. What did he say yeah. to make you so get goddamn defiant? So, so fucking triumphant. I mean, it's the same shit, man. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just using all of the previous fights, all of the previous pain, and just throwing it like with all of your full force back at someone like it's just it's venom it's pure venom man um yeah it's it's something worse than hate to me like it's like because you know it's it's like you you understand and have this longitudinal data on this person and like in a great relationship that's like what you use to refine your understanding and it's like it evolves and it grows but this is like no it festers right And, and, and like it just ferments Uh, and then you just throw it back at them and it's it's terrible man but like you can't again you can only say that kind of shit when like you've been through a lot of shit with someone yeah Um, yeah and it's like jesus christ man (laughs) fucking yeah venom venom is a good word for it it's like fucking so insipid and insidious and poisonous not insipid um all right, what else? Come on. I know you got oh, more. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> those are the two that I pulled out. I, but yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know that we need to go deeper into this because those are, I, I, I would say, already like first ballot Hall of Famers in terms of. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that like anything has ever exemplified a category better than these ones. My God. Yeah. Well, well anyway, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> when the time with your families, like. <laughs> Domestica December. <laughs> My God. Um yeah, reflections. Any any thoughts after having been through that experience? Yeah, I mean I really appreciate the way that you know this this podcast, this project has has sort of evolved. And uh I think it's it's afforded me a number of different really fun opportunities to revisit albums. Uh like albums I knew really well to consider in a different way or albums I didn't know at all to like explore. And, you know, this is one obviously that I didn't know very well. And there's no way that I would have listened to this album 50 times or whatever it was. And now it's going to show up in my stupid Spotify wraps next year. But like, I'm I am. I guess I'm getting it in under the wire, so hopefully it won't count towards uh, 2024 or whatever. But um, no, but it, it just is. Um, I'm. I'm glad to have gotten to dig into it and to really steep myself in it. 
um because even if it wasn't like a uh, like an album that I was dying to listen to, you know, like there were mornings where I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it today. I can't do it today. Um, but the days where I went the opposite direction was like, all right, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, it was really satisfying just because it's, it it is, it is a wildly powerful album. Uh, arguably, the most powerful album we've listened to, at least in terms of just like raw, unfiltered, unfettered emotion. I think you could probably make an argument for maybe for Pinkerton, but even that has some distance to it. And this is just like, I mean, it's just like, it's a fucking direct line. It's not autobiographical, but it's a direct line <laughs> to Tim Casher's like, is is that our new state in front of Jim Atkins soft boy thing? Like it's <laughs> yeah, you, I mean this is, yeah, yeah. I just I just feel like like um I think we've talked about this idea before. Uh I actually think in particular, like Pinkerton was the example, but it's like this feels like an album that Tim Casher had to make. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that was inside him that had to come out. And if it didn't it was going to eat him alive or I mean, maybe not, but like, that's, that's what this feels like. It, it, it has that kinetic energy to it that just like, there's no way, there's no way it could have stayed in, in, in his head. It was coming out one way or another. And so uh, I am, I am happy to have like really sort of like sunk my teeth into that. Yeah, I I think from where I sit and just looking and thinking about the albums that we've covered, this one, the only other one that might be on par, if we think about like, what are the real world stakes? How does this tie to like someone's actual life? The only other one that I, I think is in the category is From Under the Court Tree by Fall Out Boy, because it's literally like uh, them talking about uh, killing themselves, right? Like, yeah. But but aside from that, like, I don't know that anything else has the stakes that this album does and yeah. for that to have stakes and then for it to be like the horror ending where it's like no it's it's not a happy ending it's it's the the most terrifying possible outcome um fuck man like that that'll that sits with you right and and the good thing is and and the thing that maybe i should have acknowledged better in um some of the previous categories is like you don't have to fucking seek it out. You don't. You don't. You don't have to be in it if it's that bad, man. And and yeah, get out. And and it's it 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 might feel like a step back or it might be whatever. But I think that's the part that I feel pretty differently about, and and doesn't feel like anchored as much in reality anymore. Is like no, if you're in that terrible relationship, like you can you can you know you you can find an alternative way. But hundred um, percent. Yeah. 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 Um. Man, fuck. Thank you for going on this journey uh, down into the fucking depths with me, man. Um, Dude, I mean, it's an emo podcast. We we had to, we had to, we had to get there somehow. No, no, no. no I, I will say, like, it, it, of all of the conversations that we could have had about this album, it was still incredibly fun. So thank you for that. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think this is just a little segue for our next album. We're going to be doing My Chemical Romance Black Parade, which, you know, you and I were texting about it. I actually don't know that much about it. Um, yeah. 
really have that much of a reference aside from like the eponymous song or, or what have you but um yeah excited to dig into it I, I maybe we should have picked like a less bleak album but like I don't know maybe that's February maybe February is what's 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 a what's a least less bleak emo album <laughs> uh i don't know i don't know maybe we'll find something a little lighter um or a little more at least a little more uh with a little more upbeat Jesus. musicianship but um no I, i'm excited about uh the black parade as well like it is um you know without without going too far into it I, it's a song it's an album excuse me that i didn't listen to a ton like contemporarily and have come around to come back to a little later in life. So um, I don't have much more context than you, I don't think, but, uh, but I'm excited to, to, to really sort of steep myself in some actual, some my chemical romance. And yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think we know some things. So excited to dig into it next month um, for the people that have made it to the end of the pod. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much. That's, that's your, Christmas present. Um, I hope you yeah. So <laughs> yeah, and just get on your cross because that's all you're good for, right? Jesus Christ! No, we love our fans. Uh, you guys have been so so supportive, um, and yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy this one in spite of how tough it might be. And I'll, I'll link in the album notes actually, like the this on Spotify, just so people can listen to it. Because like I, my point of reference is I imagine no one has. So uh, yeah, yeah, de definitely listen to it and let us know how it feels for you. Um, yeah. Very curious to see. So maybe wait till after the holidays to really dive <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a good way to start off the new year. I don't know. I don't know when the right time to listen to this album is, but yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. All right, man. Cool, dude. Until next time. See ya. All right. See ya. Bye.